Hello. 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 <laughs> oh, Dr. Don. Dr. Dr. Doctor. Hey, so Donald. Uh, yes. So, so I got a I got a Skype contact uh, request from Sparkalicious Honey Rainbow. Oh, did you think that was me? I, my new, my new, my new name. It might have been. It might have been, but uh, <laughs> I think that should be your new name. Or maybe you could call that your that could be your dog's new name. It seems like Sparkalicious Honey Rainbow might be like Dan Benjamin, <laughs> or or. Or not. I think it might be somebody I want to block, actually. I'm gonna, I think I'm going to block uh, Sparklicious Honey Rainbow. Didn't they have – didn't uh, the Daily the, – the Dan Benjamin Daily Show have, like, a really interesting, like, contact at one point? Remember? Remember? You know what I'm talking about? Like, they had a weird – Oh, no, I don't remember that. Oh. Huh. They had – like, we did a – remember we did the Thanksgiving show? Yeah. And, and I got this, like, weird request. I don't know where it is. I must have deleted them from my mm. – from a thing. From a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's probably not. Probably not. Probably not them. Hey, so can I tell you? I'm going to tell you something. What? I'm t- I am. Uh, today is a very unique day in my life. Very unique. Mine life. too. You, well, like every day is unique because we haven't no. this day before. Oh, okay. You have something else. But yeah. I, okay. I got something. Okay. So, something exciting. Super exciting. And yeah. it actually happened yesterday. Oh. But I'm Did reveling. you get tenure? <laughs> I did not. No, I've already. I got that. Okay. I, yeah. Uh, no, my um, my uh, adult uh, beer league hockey team won the uh, uh, season championship last oh, night. Oh, the Stanley Cup. The Stanley Cup. The 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 uh, Polar Ice House Cup. Oh, that's uh, nice. Congratulations. It, thank you. Thank you. I um so. I, I, it, it might be uh, not news to listeners that um, I play hockey, um, a lot of hockey, or, or, or like, I mean, a fair amount. I mean, who knows? It's re- it's all relative. It's all relative, right? It's all relative. But I, but I play hockey a couple times a week, and I have played um, my entire life, beginning at age five until age thirty-eight, and in, in my entire life, I have. Um, one, maybe two. This might be my third championship ever. Wow, that's so a hat do. trick. They call that. I call that a hat trick, right? Yeah, it's a hat trick in the in, in the sports ball world, in the oh. sports park world. So yeah, my uh, I, I was really uh, it was big. It was a big deal. But now it was a little anticlimactic because we won the championship game eleven to three, mm. like uh, trounced. Wow, that was a rout. It was a rout. It was, and it was. Uh, um, as they say in the in the literary world, um, the the you know there's um, in storytelling there's the the climax of the story, and then after the story there's the reconciliation denouement. Do you, are you familiar with that? With that uh, term? I thought it was anticlimax, but okay, sure. What, whatever. Uh, I think you, you, you. I think if you look to our uh, our French uh, brethren, uh-huh. you'll find out it's called the the denouement. Um, the climax of the uh, of the story, the narrative for our night, happened um, really early in the second period, where we had a, a shift, where uh, uh, two shifts in a row, where we scored a total of four goals and Whoa. went from a four two to eight two, and then really a period and a half was. Denouement. It was anticlimactic at the end. Coast at that point, literally on your skates. Coast. We we still had to we had to play a little bit, but uh, yeah, it was uh, anyway. It was a big deal for me. Uh, I I thought this is the this is the worst part. I actually thought that I would have a um, 
a more emotional response than I did. <laughs> How, how hilarious yeah. is that, right? Yeah. Like I thought, I, I was, I mean, sitting on the bench in between shifts, I'm like, man, I'm not, I'm just, it's eight to two. And I'm like, you know, I'm not, I'm not feeling like we've, uh, like I've accomplished something here. Yeah. It would have been so much better if you'd won it, but just barely, right? Yeah. yeah it you'd have been, to fight for it. Or if we won in overtime, we would have been ecstatic. Hmm. You know, you know, you know about overtime. You know what overtime. That that's uh, the time after the time. Yeah, it's the time. Uh, I think <laughs> Cindy Lauper. <laughs> she's so unusual. She is. So, she's very unusual. Oh my gosh. Um, yes. So a big day, big day for me. Um, and then, so this I, I haven't mentioned the the team name because there's no one who listens. But uh, my team name is uh, Gunga Lagunga, which I've is seen, I've, I've seen the T-shirt. That's a, that's a. A ground, uh, not a Groundhog Day, uh, Caddyshack it's, reference, right? It's a Caddyshack reference, uh, and it uh, has to do with the. We'll, we'll link to this in show notes. Um, it is uh, in reference to something that uh, Bill Murray's character says in Caddyshack uh, about uh, being uh, a caddy for uh, the Dalai Lama. Or is oh, that's right, the uh, Dalai Dalai Lama. Then it's a, and he says something like, "So I say uh, Lama, Lama," and he talks uh, talks all Bill, Bill Murray like. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And in there, Dalai Lama tells him uh, Gunga La Gunga. <laughs> as he does. And he, as he does. So that's, yes, that's the team. Uh, that's, a, that's the thing. So anyway, big, big deal. Uh, lots of goals scored. Uh, I played uh, played defense all night uh, last night um, and only made maybe two or three bad plays. But well, uh, it was, uh, Don, good. I'm, I'm reveling. Yeah, it's good. So it was, it was really good. So what's what's your unique day? Well, today, Ben, I am recording the 100th episode of a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's that too. I, have you not recorded 100 episodes of a podcast before? Because this is like the fourth time I've done it. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of anticlimactic. It is. It is. It would be crazy. I mean, I understand. The first time it was really exciting. 100 episodes. It's like our yeah. birthday. Woo. What was that? Did you just make that? <laughs> I just said woo, woo. Oh. oh, oh. Wahoo! Wait, I'm, I'll be right back. I, I forgot something in my bag. <laughs> I'll just stand here and talk to amongst myself. Oh no! People love it when we uh, when we go off mic. I forgot it in my car. Oh no! Well, a, bing. There we go. We'll, uh, we'll 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 Photoshop it in later. We will. The uh, I have a bell now, thanks to uh, Noro Nerd, mm. our our good friend uh, Veronica Bryant, who uh, was uh, hung out with us at CFP, and who I know here from North Carolina, and she's uh, an avid listener. I'm sure when we post this, she'll be ecstatic that we um, that we mentioned that she uh, gave me uh, my own service bell, uh, not the official service bell of. Um, uh, the food safety talk podcast, but I do have a, I've got, I got a bell, which I, which doesn't make sense if I don't bring it. Um, but, well, uh, you know, got to save something for the next hundred episodes. Oh, that's true. Maybe anyway, uh, it was, uh, yeah. So thanks, th- thanks to Nora at Nora nerd for, uh, for the service bell that I don't currently have. Bing. Uh, a lot of a lot has happened since we recorded our last podcast. Oh my gosh, so much has happened. So much. You and I have hung out twice, like in two different cities. Right. Oh my gosh. Um, we have. It, it seems like it was not a long. Like it seems like it was a long time ago that we've actually talked on a podcast, and it, I mean it has been. We have not like talked to each other in um, in a long time. Like like since the eleventh of April, and hmm. it's twenty eighth today. It is. Wow. Um, so, okay, here we are. Uh, episode number 100. 
the um, the index episode. No, that's not right. I don't know what to what to call it. But we I, this is where we celebrate all of the good things that have happened in the podcast. This is right. This is, is going to be a clip show. show. We're going to have on all the past guests. They're waiting, the right? They're waiting in the green room right now. Yep. Um, we just have to get get to that part of the show. But it's going to be it's going to be a star studded. Fun-filled extravaganza. They, it, it is. They are. They have prepared skits. Um, I believe one of them, one of the previous guests, is uh, is going to be uh, providing musical interlude. Um, the, the, Mike, the, 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 ca- the, the couch in the green room is actually Noro couch. Oh, so Noro you know, couch. it's it's going to be really exciting. It is going to be really exciting. Um, Noro couch. So so just. To, to jump to jump right into things, going back to um, a, an episode uh, a few a few episodes ago, we uh, posted something about uh, this couch that someone sent me a picture of, and in the internet has borne out Noro Couch, which is a parody account uh, who is uh, is an anonymous. Well, I, I mean, I don't even know if it's an anonymous person. I'm, I may be jumping at at that. Um, I really think it's a couch. There's a couch that's tweeting at us. I have norovirus, but is kind of like, I think kind of upset that I wanted to throw out the couch that might've had norovirus on it. And you have made a better uh, or, or a different risk management decision on, and on a deep, deep clean. Yes. And I think, I think honestly, if we have to, uh, <clears throat> if we have to assess whether Noro couch likes me or you better, I think, I think Noro couch probably likes me better. Oh, for sure, for sure. I'm not nor nor I'm, I'm a little worried about that. Yeah, um, I'm a little worried about it as as well. Um, so I love that Noro Couch appeared on April 12th with with the start. The first tweet was to just at me, "Hey, buddy." <laughs> and the second tweet a couple minutes later was, "Come on over here. I got something to give you." And I just assumed it was Noro. Um, but this, uh, our conversation continues. Nora couches, uh, is a lovely plaid couch, uh, that exists, uh, somewhere in a, uh, public health building, uh, anonymously and, uh, was soiled, uh, we assume, um, and, and is still there, um, and is tweeting fantastically. Yes. It's probably bitten by a radioactive, uh, norovirus. Oh, it could be, it could be, um, so, uh, shout out, shout out to Noro Couch. Uh, the I, I really think we have like achieved peak internet when something we talk about has generated a parody account that that interacts with us. Uh, yes, I think that's we we can we can we can just declare that we're done. I mean, you know, it's so true. Just drop the mic. <laughs> Dro- I... <laughs> <laughs> Not literally. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's okay. Uh, I, was, I hope that didn't blow out someone's speakers or your your ears. Yeah, it was a little loud. It was good it though. Was a little loud. I just I dropped my mic. Um, yeah. So so we got the Nora couch, uh, service bell. Check check check. Uh, did I mention I'm a champion, a hockey champion today? You you are, and you were about to sing for us uh, the We Are the Champions from uh, Queen. I was I was about to sing that. Um, I think I'll save that for episode 101. Okay. Fair enough. Um, I might remind you a couple more times. So we, we beat a team called the Renegades. Oh, Tom Petty. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, they weren't happy with us that we won 11 to 3. Oh, did they did they throw down their gloves and start punching you? Because I they think that's not, supposed to happen in a hockey game, right? It, it is. Uh, I've witnessed that not many times in my life, but um, 
but it is supposed to it's supposed to happen. Uh, no, no, we didn't we didn't have any uh, no fisticuffs. Um, but uh, yeah, so it was it was uh, Don. I, I'm just I'm so happy today. <laughs> I'm so happy for us, and I'm so happy for Gungala Gunga. I'm just going to keep talking about it. Yeah, it's no. a, well, it's, it's you know, I mean, you don't you you don't win you don't win a hundred hockey games very often in your life. So true. you know, you got to celebrate four times. <laughs> four times at least four times. At least four times before. <laughs> that's called a hat trick. It is. Yeah, that's a hat trick. Um, so, hundred episodes. I've actually done some reflection on this. Oh my. Yeah, I, I did some pre- preparation. I didn't put it into the notes, but I wrote stuff down on Evernote. Oh my. Yeah. Well, all I've been doing is just putting stuff in the Dropbox for us to talk about. So, well, that's. I mean, that that's we, we each, you know, we all contribute in the way that we can. Some some of us, you know, do better than others, and you know, whatever. I'm doing I'm doing the best I can, Ben. I'm just, you know, I'm do, doing the best I can. Some of us do it differently. Uh huh. Yeah. So, um, I wanted. I don't know. This. I don't know if this is the right time of the show to do this. Mm. I think it is. I you want to sing. <laughs> I'm not going to sing. We, I, I, I might sing "We Are the Champions" later. Okay. Um, I, I just, and this is like not in a cheesy way. Mm, not I, at all. No, it's and the, if we have, in, we'll maybe we'll add this in in post some <laughs> like sentimental music. But I, I don't think we should retire. <laughs> and I, that that was number one on my Evernote list. Oh, not don't retire after 100 episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm really and I and so number two on my Evernote list of our hundred episodes is I wanted to I wanted to thank you for being such a great co-host. Oh, yeah, for real. Thank you too, for real. For yeah. Real. Um, and that I think um, uh, we so num- number three on my list is that you and I probably benefit from doing these podcasts more than the people that are listening. Like, 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 you know what I mean? Like we don't, we've talked about this a lot on the, on the podcast mm-hmm. and say this over and over again. We would do this even if we weren't recording it and putting it out in, in iTunes and on food safety talk, uh, com. Um, but, but I, I, I still, I feel like we, I, I, I don't want to speak on, on your behalf, but I get, I just get a lot out of talking to you and talking through things every, every couple of weeks. And so I would, I want to do another hundred. Okay. But then, but then we'll, then we'll quit. Right. Go out on top. Go out on top. Go out with the Super Bowl. Like, <laughs> look, look. I might. Maybe I should retire from hockey though, because we won the championship. No, um, so, but those but, were my those were my three big reflections. No, those are those are good. And I I have reflections every time I go somewhere. I talk to somebody, and I realize that there's another person out there that l- listens to the show, and I'm constantly reminded uh, there are people like there are really important, smart people out there listening to what we say. And then, as soon as I realize that, <clears throat> I immediately think I feel bad because I feel like I'm not living up to that. Like, like for example, I was just in a meeting um, in Washington D.C., and Barb Kowalczyk was there, and Barb mentioned again that she listens to the podcast, and I'm sure she's mentioned it before, but it's like. Oh crap! That's right. Bob is Barb is listening, and uh, I I really I better be I better bring my A game, Ben. It's it's a lot of pressure. It is a lot of pressure. It, um, it I feel like I try to yeah. Um, I'm 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 getting I'm getting all choked up here, Don. Uh, I, I feel like this is <laughs> kind of like the one thing every two weeks that I do bring my A game to. <laughs> yeah. no, not not the uh, not the webinar that you're going to be doing in two hours, which you thought was right. actually tomorrow. Correct. Um, 
Yeah. No, the actual the the thing. Yeah. Right. Right. That. But don't, don't worry. I spent some some good good quality time on that uh, earlier. Um, I'm so glad. I'm glad. Yeah. It's gonna be, it's gonna be awesome. But no, I mean, isn't that isn't it, like this is uh, this has become uh, an important stop in my uh, weekly journey. And, and I by, say that by weekly journey, you mean every couple of weeks, every couple of weeks. It's like, so it's, yeah. So anyway, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to rehash the, 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 the emotions, but we've, uh, I think we're, I think we're doing something good. I think it's, uh, it is important for us and it's, it, it is like humbling that other people in, you know, I don't know if they enjoy it, but they listen or, or seem to enjoy it or, or download it and don't listen or download it. And then listen sometimes or make their spouses listen to it on long car rides or what, you know, what I found and, and what we're going to talk about CFP a little bit um, as, as we go along here. But what, what I found with talking with others um, at the Conference for Food Protection and people that I didn't know listened or, or kind of did that it, when people are driving and they're doing their, their awesome job of protecting uh, the f- safety of the food supply. Some of those people are like, listen to us in between their stops. That's like, that's humbling. I can't think of a, a better word for that. Well, and, and you know, and I, I often reflect on this podcast as a podcast listener to other podcasts. And I, I'm, I, I know there are so many podcasts out there that bring information and just delight to me. And I'm so glad that there are other people out there, uh, basically uh, getting that same enjoyment or at least some, some fraction thereof from what we're doing. And so it's, it's just, it's great to know that we can be part of this whole, uh, this whole ecosystem of, of podcasts. And Hey, Hey, speaking of podcasts, did you know that there is a podcast out there called farm to table talk? I did know that. Yeah, I think they're I think they're ripping us off a little bit because um, <laughs> uh, they have talk in the name. Um, but uh, but I guess we're ripping off Car Talk and the Talk Show and all the other podcasts that have talk in the name. But anyway, um, Farm to Table Talk apparently, uh, which is a it's about it's a movement that's happening right now, Ben. It is. It's a movement. It's happening uh, right here, right now, and uh, people are talking about uh, about farms and tables. Yeah. Um, so what what uh, what kind of what kind of context did you want to bring that up in? <laughs> um, no particular context except they just they were uh, spamming me. They sent me a, they sent me an unsolicited email apparently, and I have not unsubscribed. Uh, but I did save it because I thought uh, I thought it was it was interesting that uh, there is a farm to table talk uh, podcast out there. There That's is all. so so I actually checked this out. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, cool! A, a while ago, and um, there was. Uh, so you should check it out. Okay. Okay. Because there, uh, I can't remember what day this was. Uh, Monday, maybe this week. There's this kind of cool um, one. Uh, so it, this is probably where you got spammed from as well. Mm. But there's a, an interview with an angry Tampa restaurateur who is, oh. is uh, explaining the farm to fable controversy. Oh my! And it's actually a pretty. It's it's kind of a cool little. Um, little discussion. So, oh, good, yeah. And that's the most recent episode. Yep. Okay. Cool. And there's, I'll, I'll link to that. There's a, an article in Food Republic, uh, which is where I actually uh, checked it out. So, Farm to Fable. It's, you know, it's the concept that uh, there's stuff that's going on uh, that is more like uh, magical than than realistic. 
like the thoughts of how food gets produced in a in a like a happy kind of fun way is is maybe not the way it is and and people are capitalizing on that and it's becoming marketing well and i did i did actually read that uh uh article in the food republic and it was definitely making its rounds around um and i thought it was really a, a very a very interesting discussion because then it's sort of it's sort of like i mean there's not necessarily a food safety component yet except if maybe you sort of throw chipotle into the mix right because we've you know when we've been talking a lot about about Chipotle in the last hundred episodes, probably more on the, the, the latter half than the, the former half. Um, but this whole idea of consumers are being sold uh, a bill of goods, um, and and with respect to restaurants too. And I, sorry, I sort of occurred to me. As well, because um, on my way to CFP, which was not a direct a direct flight, um, I got to spend some time in Denver, and I got to spend a little bit of extra time in Denver because of uh, flight delays. But I thought it was real. We went to like a fancy one of these fancy locally sourced artisanal restaurant type things uh, uh, the Saturday night that I wasn't flying out because my flight was canceled, and it did it did make me think about it. I don't remember whether that was before or after the, the I read the Food Republic article, but I think you know, like with so many things, there's there's going to be a backlash, right? If you if, if everybody sort of climbs on board with, oh, you know, locally sourced is great and we want these restaurants that, that you know, buy local and all of that. And inevitably, there's going to be backlash because you just simply – we the world that we live in today, Ben, it's, I don't know if you know this, but it's just not possible um, to source everything locally. Well, hang on. Let me let me back up on that. I think it is possible to source everything locally. I think mm. that you're you're limited in your menu. Well, that <laughs> that is very true. That so, is very true. But yeah, to have like a um, to have lots of choice, to have uh, you know very interesting food um, uh, meal concepts. It's uh, you know it, it's like not yet. I mean, it's really, 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 really difficult. Well, and uh, I'm, I am all in favor of going to a restaurant that has limited choices, right? Like, I'm, I am totally fine with like uh, limited choices as long as I can get something that cl- more or less approximates what I want. Um, like for, for example, we went to actually went to a really nice restaurant in in Washington uh, earlier this week with this uh, this MPD group, and it was uh, it's called Vidalia, and it's a sort of a southern themed restaurant, and you basically because it was a large group we had a limited choice and so we had like three appetizer choices one soup one salad and one something else we had uh three entree choices you could get trout you could get lamb or you could get a vegetarian then we had uh three dessert choices and and that was totally fine because you could probably find something that you wanted within that and and so and i understand that like i understand if you're going to source locally um you're going to have limited choices but but and i'm fine with that yeah and so I mean, just to, on the the farm to fable, farm to table talk, um, bent. It's you, you hit on something that um, that I think is it, it, is important for us to kind of always remember in the world of food safety is that trends happen and our system of how we get food of is always evolving, and it's hard for us in the food safety world to stay ahead of that or, or predict that. And I'll, I'll, let me give you an example, uh, on a, um, an idea that, that I, I pitched to you and have pitched to a, a couple other folks, um, that, uh, I'm going to, um, lead an, an effort, uh, to go do some, um, 
development of materials and evaluation uh, as it relates to FISMO for groups that are like niche groups. Um, so, so you and I have been part of the Food Safety Prevent Controls Alliance, and there's a Produce Safety Alliance, and there's a whole bunch of things going on that are like really generic. But one of the one of the realms um, that I have interest in is like food hubs and uh, um, CSAs and shared use kitchens. So, so I've been, you know, working on some some ideas and some objectives for this for this grant, and and I have uh, talked with um, a couple of different um, stakeholder groups, like industry folks who represent uh, people that that either are, are part of CSAs or um, or are um, you know selling into CSAs, like in sort of like I would you know niche niche local food systems. And this is what I learned um, as I've been having conversations about this. And so CSAs, Don, you and I, you know what that is? The community supported agriculture, right? I did not know that. I was about to Google it, and I got nothing oh. useful. So I'm glad that you you mentioned that. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I should have got. So community-supported agriculture. So here's here's the concept behind it. Um, you, me, my community, we're really interested in making sure that we have um, agriculture, that we are connected to it and we're we are supporting it. So I'm going to buy a subscription, and that subscription is going to be an upfront payment to a farmer or a set of farmers or to someone who is like becomes a like almost a wholesaler who's going to work with six or seven farmers. And then that upfront subscription allows that farmer or the set of farmers to um, have some capital so they can go buy seed and and, and it's kind of it flips the um, the the transaction system uh, on it on its head and it's really targeted at, at small um, smaller uh, community production and and so the idea is like I'm gonna give you some money up front you're gonna give me what you grow. Um, and, and it's not going to be like you're going to grow something and you're going to try and sell it and figure out what the what the what the price is, and and it's not often that an entire business model can can work on that, but it's one it, it's something that 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 I became aware of, um, maybe 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 seven or eight years ago. So subscriptions, right? So it's like upfront. So this what I learned as I've been discussing this these ideas, and this is where it comes down to this farm to fable situation. Is so those systems, these CSAs, um, they're dying. They they like that was something that's like a five year ago. It was hot. People could do it. There was a model to to make money to to uh, provide food to people, and. And now there are other ways for people to get locally produced food that are making CSAs, maybe not obsolete, but it's making it harder to get those upfront subscriptions. I so, have no idea. That is, I would have assumed this is a thing that is just now sort of coming into its own and starting to peak, not something that's passe. Right. Amazing, right? Like right. That's, that's, a, that's the thing is – it is so even us not us like that you and i seem to know stuff that uh, I, I don't know i don't know why i said it that way but you i, I guess we we kind of try and talk about trends and we i i, I really I would like, uh, i would say no i think that's reasonable you and i we try to be pretty up with what's going on in the food supply and i would right. think too it being in a cooperative extension that's something that that the cooperative extension would be all about right innovative ways of ag- of agriculture right <laughs> right right yeah like that's yeah so 
I mean, so I try to pay attention. I was like, you know what? It's time now that there's enough recognition that this type of production, distribution, local food system is becoming mainstream that we probably need to do some food safety specific things to it, to this group or for this group, not to this group, because it's, it's different. It's like a farmer's market is different from a retail store, although they're both retailing food. Um, and so, so you gotta be specific. You gotta know what the target audience is. You gotta know what they value and create stuff that, that, that tries to connect with them. And, and this is like, it's not like sh- shocking, I guess, but it was, I thought, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pound down this, this road of CSAs. And then I got into this discussion with, with someone who like knows the world of CSAs. And he's like, yeah, they're dying. It's like, and we, you know, that might be a way to, um, to, uh, you, it's part of it. It's, it's just not as hot as it was five years ago. So we're already missing it. It's like, um, that, I don't know. That's the, the I, I think that's important, right? Like, I, uh, I saw something, uh, today. Um, about, and we've talked a little bit about this on, on an episode, maybe, maybe half a year ago or so, but about, um, like people making food in their homes and selling it and using apps to share leftovers. And, um, there was something in the Philadelphia, philly.com. So I think it's from the Philly observer inquirer, Philadelphia inquirer. Far, far, yeah. Um, uh, and uh, talk, you know, talking about this, you know, th- this concept of uh, connecting home cooks to paying customers for takeout, delivery, dine-in meals, ranging from dinners to one for to supper clubs, and there's a whole like wide variety of food safety issues um, that pop up. But I wonder if, like, okay, we recognize that this happens; it's going to pop up for a year, and then 18 months from now, um, like the Uber comes and takes over, right? Like, like, so as I think this is what, what I'm gathering from the, the conversation on CSAs and looking at where local foods has gone from a retail standpoint is as soon as it, as soon as, um, some part of the food sector, uh, recognizes that there, there is a marketing advantage or a monetary, I mean, a monetary advantage to sourcing products in a certain way, then, it gets mainstream and the folks that created that movement kind of get pissed off because it's no longer about what it used to be. And that, that was the farm to fable discussion. I think is that where these things started are not, they don't, they, they evolve really quickly, especially when, when you can tap into uh, a, a buying consumer that, that sees that there's value in it. And then everybody else gets involved and it, and it loses its, um, its luster to the, to the people that started the movement. And, and that's, is, and that, that's just like life. <laughs> right. Well, and you know, and you, you mentioned Uber and so that that's an interesting one, right? Because for a long time, <clears throat> taxis sucked. Yeah. And then Uber came along and the taxi drivers, you know, are now really upset with Uber. And I understand there's problems with, with Uber. Um, and in fact, even, even, um, uh, Uber itself may be passe, right? Because now all of a sudden, well, there's problems with Uber and, and maybe Uber is mistreating its drivers and maybe Uber's ultimate game plan is self-driving cars. So there won't even be drivers. And it's like, well, yeah, but that's, that's life, right? I mean, that's, that's the way it happens. Like things, you know, ecosystems get 
disrupted. I mean, I you know, uh, talking about uh, iPhones and and how the uh, iPhone changed cell phones uh, forever, right? And 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 even before we had cell phones, right? Cell phones have changed uh, uh, landlines forever, and that's just the world that we live in right now. And maybe we're in the middle of an elect- electronic car disruption, right? And look at all the stuff going on with Tesla, and that's that's just that just seems to be a reality for the world that we live in. And you either need to you need to you need to either you're either in the game or you're not in the game. And, and if you're in the game, well, things are going to change. And so it's important to keep innovating. And it's, it's unfortunate, I think, that, that maybe CSAs are not uh, a thing anymore or, or may not be a thing. But that's, but that's the way it goes, right? I mean, that's, that's life. Right, right. It's, that's the, it's the game, yo. It's, <laughs> it's all in the game. It's all, it's all in the game. Um, but it. So, okay, bringing this back to to what we do in in food safety is that makes our job of trying to keep food safer harder, right? Because the stuff that – because looking at – looking at things in a risk-based way takes data. It takes understanding what is happening. Um, It may take some experimental uh, data. We we just – and that takes time. And, but the trends evolve fast, right? Like so that that's the part that's that that's difficult. And I I wonder, in, based on my discussion, you know, I'm I, we're going to have food hubs. And there's going to be aggregators, and there are going to be shared use kitchens, and there will be CSAs. But maybe they're not as important as they were if we had written this proposal three years ago, when no one would have funded it because they didn't know what those things were. Yeah, right. Like, like that's that's the problem. That's the that's the problem. Like it, our system takes a while, and it's it's hard to to stay ahead, um, even when we're even when we're trying to be on the on the cutting edge of it. Um, but but that being said, um, you know it's not like traditional ways to get food are are going away. Right, like the like, and and that there's more. There's lots of there's lots of fast food, and there's a lot of lots of sit down restaurants that are not farm to table, um, where people eat every day, and and so it's I don't, I don't know. I guess right. I'm, and there's and there's and there's big chains, and there's small chains, and there's mom and pop restaurants, and you know they there's probably a role for for all of those things. I was again just let's talk about my my recent uh, trip. I ate at this this wonderful place called Vidalia in Washington D.C. Had a wonderful meal, but at the same time, when I was at the train station and I had got an earlier train because we finished slightly ahead of schedule, um, I didn't want to go to Vidalia for lunch. I wanted to go to, well, guess what? McDonald's, right? Because I had a coupon, uh, which they'd given as a, as a reward for going to the Food Safety Advisory Committee. And honestly, I knew McDonald's was going to be uh, – their, their uh, crispy chicken southwestern salad is a fantastic. I knew it would be the right number of calories. I knew it would be fast. I knew it would be hot. I knew I could get it with a, with a Diet Coke. I knew it would be safe. And so that was my choice. So I'm glad – that I didn't have to go to some artisanally locally sourced lunch place and wait in line for them to slaughter the chicken for me um, because I wanted something fast. And I was really glad that there was a McDonald's there, you know, because that was what I wanted at that time. Now, would I have wanted to go to McDonald's with my uh, dozen and a half colleagues at this meeting for, for a sit-down dinner on, on, uh, on the, the, the evening of the, of the meeting? No, probably not. Um, right. But, right, right. but there's a, you know, there's a, it's appropriate for the, the time and the circumstance. 
Absolutely. And that's – so just coming back to where, where we started with this discussion, that's why it's good to have lots of different choices and, and that there is um, – there is an uh, an ability and a and a uh, a want for um, you know solely micro locally sourced uh, stuff as well as other uh, you know non locally micro sourced um, things and but but recognizing that each of these things the the how do we keep that how we keep the food safe is is actually kind of different like there's no one size fits all uh, aspect of it and and all you know. Just to, to to jump a little bit into um, our my experience at Conference of Food Protection and our discussions there, we presented an issue um, uh, uh, at the Conference for Food Protection about um, consumer advisories, and you knew I, you and I talked off- offline a little bit about this. And this this um, this issue did not um, it wasn't successful. It, it was no actioned by. Uh, Council one, and the the issue was really based on um, some of the work that um, one of my former grad students, Ellen Thomas, did, where we ran this secret shopper uh, study that has that is has yet to be published. So I, I don't want to like um, you know do a podcast before publication or press release <laughs> before publication, but but we found some interesting stuff that that, that was like um, going to chain restaurants versus independent restaurants when it comes to how well um, the messages that are on the menu are replicated when you interact with a server. It was like chain restaurants did a lot better in our in our books. Like mm-hmm. it was much more consistent than independent restaurants. And so sitting through the CFP process, it's not like um, – the the restaurant that I can walk to from from my office that's a third of a mile away that's that, that's you know called you know it's called Neomond and it's a um, Mediterranean um, uh, uh, restaurant there that uh, has all the all you know it's an independent place they're not they're not the they're not at the CFP table right like so the the folks that that drive the the food code are more consistent chain individuals where one size does kind of fit all or more. Um, and, and that's the, the, the mantra of however we're going to uh, regulate food across, uh, across the U S let's from, from th- that stakeholders standpoint, it's like, okay, let's make sure that, that we have like uh, some consistency. So, so anyway, like I'm, I'm uh, loosey goosey with my linearness on, on my uh, uh, story here, but it, it's more about, the CSAs and the shared food facilities, it's really hard to do food safety as a one-size-fits-all for them, um, especially when, it's, when they're compared to an, another type of food retailer or distri- distributor, more traditional. And so, so choice is good, right? Like, it, but it makes it hard to regulate. And it makes it hard to do food safety. Yeah, well, and just again, this, let's just look at Chipotle, right? They were trying to do a good thing by sourcing locally, but it ended up being too complex for them to handle, probably uh, in a safe way. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's that's the that's the challenge is how do you um, how, how do you capitalize on the trends? I guess maybe that's not the the right thing. Or how do you have your um, your your social responsibility be in line with others 
when it comes to food and food sourcing and then still manage the risk? And can you, do you have all the right resources to, to do that? Or is it easier to just say, you know what, let's, let's only work with really large, um, suppliers because we know that we can, um, you know, we, we, we have better mechanisms to check to make sure they're doing what they're doing. Right. Well, and that's a risk management decision, right? You're never going to have all the resources you need. And so what you do is you allocate resources according to the best way that you can, and you have to balance those things. And actually, we had some really, really good discussions at this uh, at this meeting I just came back from around the difference between risk assessment and risk management. And and one of the things that we, we realized um, is that we were really missing risk communication um, around the table. And I can't I can't Ooh. talk uh, I can't talk too much about the process, but let's just say uh, I know some guys that do risk communication and they might be asked to comment on the report at some point. So, ah, well that's, that's pretty exciting. Yeah. If whoever those, those whoever those might be, might if, be, yeah. if I, if that even is a thing, I'm maybe I'm just making that up. Maybe it's just a fever dream. Yeah. yeah it could be. You might, maybe you, uh, you've been traveling too much. I've been traveling too much. Yeah. Hey, speaking of choice, Ben, did yes. you know there's different ways to wash your hands? I, well, I knew, I mean, yeah, there's lots of different ways to wash your hands. Did you know there's a right way to wash your hands? I, I assume that there's always a right way and there's always a wrong way uh, to do things. So, yeah, I guess I, I knew that. I yeah, knew that. A, a, new, a new study found that the WHO's detailed cleaning method killed more germs than the CDC's less specific instructions. Did you it's know that, Ben? Off. It's a hand wash. It's a hand wash off. It is. It is. So I'm reading. I'm reading from a Wall Street Journal article, which already. I mean, already. I look at the headline. Already, I'm angry, right? Because the headline says the right way to wash your hands. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, and then again, I, you read the sub bullet. The, the sub headline. Uh, a new study found the WHO's detailed cleaning method killed more germs. I don't think it killed more germs. I think it might have removed more microorganisms. Oh, but but it can. You know, so, yes, potato, potato. Um, so. Uh, the world, and again, I mean, it's like, you know, Wall Street Journal, gotta love them. Um, uh, the, 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 I'll, I'll read this in my official announcery voice. The world's two leading public health bodies list different instructions on their websites for getting your hands clean. A new study found that the six step hand hygiene technique recommended by the World Health Organization killed greater number of germs than the more general three step instructions of the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Yeah, still, the outcome of the throwdown isn't clean cut. <laughs> the CDC says this hand cleaning method isn't different from that of the WHO. It's just less specific. We're on the same page here. We just don't get into that kind of detail in our guidelines. Um, so anyway, it, and it's and there actually is a an actual uh, scientific article uh, that is uh, that was published on this, um, and uh, I, I did find a copy. And uh, we will link to it in the show notes. Uh, it is entitled A Pragmatic Randomized Controlled Trial of Six-Step Versus Three-Step Hand Hygiene Techniques in Acute Hospital Care in the United Kingdom. And, uh, and so basically what they discovered was the six-step technique was microbiologically more effective at reducing the median log base 10 bacterial count. So... Um, and again, I will read. Uh, I will read from the results um, here in the abstract. The the six step technique reduced the count from three point two eight cfu per ml. That's got to be log cfu, right? It's got to be. It's got to be. Yeah. Anyway, um, three point eight cfu per ml to two point five eight cfu per ml, whereas the three step reduced it from three point zero eight to two point eight eight. 
Oh, the six step technique did not increase the total. I don't know. It's, it's, I'm already, I'm confused, right? Um, so if we're talking about bacteria on the hands, why are they reporting the results in per ml, right? It should be per hand. I think it's because they're rinsing hands and <sighs> yeah, well, throw it into some sort. Yeah, not the I'll way be. you report it, but anyway, what, what do I know? Oh, um, it's the way they reported it, Don. Yeah, well, <laughs> I guess, I guess, Ben, we can all do things however we want. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I obviously, I, I did a lot of preparation for this, for the, well, for the podcast, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't know. It's. I think if you use a more complicated step or you use a longer step, a process that's longer, you're probably going to reduce more bacteria. But the the main thing, Ben, is, and this is obviously in hospitals, which is a little bit different, right? But um, in uh, the main thing is right now in restaurants, uh, nobody's really washing their hands at all because it's a major inconvenience, right? And so we have c- compliance issues. If you if you now if somebody got the bright idea idea that they were going to mandate this six-step method because it's science-based and it's better than the three-step method and we were going to mandate that in restaurants, you know what? It wouldn't matter because people already are not compliant with what the food code says about hand-washing. So while I'm, I guess my, my point in all of this is while I'm glad that we have more science on hand-washing, I'm, I'm, not, really, I don't really, I'm not really sure why this merited uh, a headline in the Wall Street Journal. But I mean, I guess, I guess on the other hand, I guess I'm glad that scientists are getting some, some press about the work that they're doing, but I don't know. It's, uh, it's just, uh, there's just so much work left to be done, Ben. Right. Right. Well, and, and I wanted to like, th- there was quite a bit of coverage on this. Mm-hmm. Um, not just in the wall street journal, but, uh, there are five or six other places that, that basically said you're washing your hands wrong. Um, cause that and, makes a great headline. Right. 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 And, and what, what I think, you know, you, you mentioned it. I think we we have to kind of remember in this whole process is it's about how people wash their hands in hospitals. Right. And in both of these uh, cases, the six-step and the three-step is really about how does someone for infection control wash their hands when they use um, an alcohol-based hand uh, sanitizer um, or hand rub in conjunction with hand washing. It's not about food service. It's not about at home. I mean, it's, it's a so specific kind of, kind of process. And, and I'll tell you, there's significant difference, right? Where if, if we say that it's 3.8 CFUs per milliliter and whatever that means per, per hand, uh, down to 2.88, but you're not looking at a massive reduction anyway. (laughs) Right. Like and that, we know that from lots of different uh, hand washing um, studies that are that are out there, right? Including and, including some that I published, <laughs> right? Right? Ex- yeah, exactly. The um, and and in this as well, uh, in the in the results, um, they talked about the six step um, method took longer, right? A forty two point five seconds. Yes. Versus so, 35 seconds. So, right. yeah. Well, and in fact, there's probably – I think there's a meta-analysis out there by someone named uh, Rebecca Monville and Don Schaffner that yeah. shows that, yeah, there actually is an effect of time. But it's not It's not quite the effect that you would think. It's better for a little while and after that it doesn't matter. So, yeah. And, well, and, and that – you know, going back to the compliance issue that, that you mentioned, it's inconvenient to wash your hands a lot. So you add on an extra 25 percent of time, um, you're going to get less compliance. Uh, mm. I don't. So anyway, uh, science is good. Is the it way that okay? The science, yeah. That's that's tenant number one of food food safety talk. 
Science is good. Science is good. Sometimes, tenet, tenet number two is, sometimes the extrapolation of that science is not good. Tenet number three is, sometimes it's not reported very well. Mm-hmm. And, and, more, and it's more, our job to, to like, yell it. That yell those things out, like, and not not lament it. Be like, here's maybe a better way to do this. Not you suck. <laughs> well, it's maybe maybe gonna... there's a you suck in there somewhere. But yeah, well, there's you suck. But <laughs> but, here, here's, but here's how you could do it better. Be less sucky. Yeah, um, yeah, and and I haven't. Um, you, you know, we're, we're we're so caught up on th- on things, and I've been uh, doing some some other writing. That yesterday or a couple of days ago, there was quite a bit of uh, talk about um, Dyson's Airblade. Oh, and yes, hand- I want I want to uh, since we're talking about hand washing, I want to talk about uh, yeah. air dryers too. Well, let's talk about that here because I haven't had a, a <laughs> chance to go too deep into it, other than um, revisit all the stuff that we had written on this and, and talked about on Barf Blog um, in the past. But but again, there it's like. You're you're washing your hands wrong. That's headline number two. And um, you're uh, if you use a, an air dryer, you're making things worse. Except maybe not. And if you're using an air dryer that someone did uh, uh, that the air dryer company published or sponsored the research, then maybe uh, it's all wrong, right? Like that's the that was the public discussion on this, where it's somewhere in between. So let's, right. let's talk about hair, air dryers. So what are your what are, what are, what are your thoughts on this? Well, you know, so this is this it's so interesting when uh, when the streams cross, as they say. So I I started seeing about this, but then I also saw some I also saw this linked on Daring Fireball. And for those that that don't know, you'll permit me a little bit of an indulgence. I'm I'm actually oh look at this I'm actually wearing a Daring Fireball T-shirt as I sit here and podcast. So Daring Fireball is a website run by a guy named. Um, uh, John Gruber, who is basically an, an Apple blogger, and he linked to um, uh, a, a reporter, Beth Mole, who wrote an article for Ars Technica. Ars Technica is a uh, a tech website, and uh, so the, the 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 title of the Ars Technica report is "Researchers: Colon Dyson." hand dryers spread viral germs. Um, so, so Gruber links to this. He quotes from the article as, as he does. And then he says uh, at the bottom, it's just, and he's, you know, for a guy who's not a scientist, he, he really has a pretty good take on most things. He's pretty, pretty deep, deep thinker. Um, and not just about Apple and, uh, uh, and stuff like that. He says, uh, and this is, this is Gruber talking now, it's just one research project, but it seems pretty compelling. I've always preferred paper towels to any sort of air dryer, and this is me, Don Schaffner, saying, yes, me too, um, uh, back to Gruber. Speaking of which, from the Daring Fireball archive, how to use a paper towel, one of my favorite links ever, and we will um, open that up on the browser and we will um, uh, link to it because I think about this every time now. So every time I wash my hands, there is a uh, it's basically a TEDx talk on how you use a paper towel, and it, it is. Have you seen it's this? Re- yeah, it's really awesome. Yeah, it's really good. So, uh, so I think about this. This is now how I use a paper towel every time I wash my hands. Uh, it is just. I mean, this is this is. So it's got it's got uh, uh, twenty nine million. Or sorry, two point two two million nine hundred uh, something odd thousand total views um, on on this uh, on this link on this. TEDx 
TED Talk link uh, page thing. Let's let's uh, take the Food Safety Talk uh, audience and let's push that over three million. Okay, folks. So so go ahead and and watch this video. We'll push it over three million. Um, how to use a paper towel. But anyway, back to back to Daring Fireball and back to um, uh, the article from Ars Technica, which we will also link to. Basically, it's it's a, an actual research study, which is which is great. Um, it is uh, it was a it was a paper published in the Journal of Applied Microbiology, and again, props to the people who who wrote the Ars Technica article because they actually linked to the actual abstract of the study and uh it's it's really a it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty good study they used uh bacteriophage ms2 bacteriophage and they compared paper towels a warm air dryer and a jet air dryer where the jet air dryer is this dyson thing and basically the bottom line is that uh if you have virus on your hands and you blow air on your hands uh the basically the faster the you blow that air, uh, the more you're going to disperse viruses around the bathroom. So not, not that surprising. Uh, and, and again, you have to be always skeptical about who funded the study. Um, but it's, it's definitely, it's definitely an interesting study. It's definitely more evidence that cements in my mind that I really want to use a paper towel. Uh, I'll, and I'll just use one, just like the, the, I've been taught by Joe Smith in that, in that wonderful video. I will just use one paper towel, but I would much rather use a paper towel, um, than to uh, then to use uh, then to use one of these uh, air dryers and I also think I think does a, a better job of getting my my hands dry uh, especially the warm air dryer the 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 Dyson I have used the Dyson things before and I, they do I think a pretty good job of getting your hands dry but but uh, I often did think about the potential to to spread viruses and apparently according to the study uh, you get some virus spread yeah so and here's the the thing that I think we always have to um, come back to in, in any of these, these studies. Um, and, in the, and I, I lean on your meta analysis on, on this, right? It's like, we have to look at, well, exactly what, what, do, what are we worried about? And in a sense, are we always trying to remove virus? No. Um, and are, how, how do these, um, jet dryers fare versus other, micro transient microbial contaminants right like that's the that's the sort of the missing piece uh in in this area and is it any different and i don't i don't know if it is right like I, that's that we don't we don't have that that data in, in hand because they they were looking um you know specific specifically at uh you know at, at viruses so so what are your i mean what do you does that does that matter to you does what matter? Like that it was only viruses? Uh, no. Well, no, because of the way that I view the world. And so, um, so I'm, I'm a, I'm a, an, I mean, nominally, Ben, I'm a microbiologist. I don't know if you know this about me, I but mean, many, that. many people consider me a microbiologist. I'm, 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 but I'm not really. I think of, uh, I like to think of basically all bacteria are the same. All viruses are the same. I, you know, I guess in the world of microbiologists, I'm what you'd call a lumper and not a splitter. Right, so there are people that 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 like to you know tease out the differences between this strain of bacteria and that strain of bacteria. And my philosophy is they're all the same unless you can prove that they're different. Right, so yeah, it would be great to redo that uh, Journal of Applied Micro study and look at bacteria. I suspect when we're looking at freshly washed hands or or hands that are moist that have um, a transient organism on them, I bet it doesn't matter whether it's a virus, whether it's a bacteria. 
bacteria or whether it's a, a little uh, fluorescent particle of uh, of glow germ, right? I bet it's not different. Um, but that's again, that's just sort of my default assumption going into things. Of course, I'm always willing to be to be convinced. Um, but before we before we leave this, I do also want to mention something that was pointed out to us on on Twitter by by one of our our Twitter friends, um, and this is a. This is a, a great a great article with a great headline, um, and it's from Vox, and it says, Big Tissue Wants You to Believe Bathroom Hand Dryers Spread Disease. Here's what the science says. And this is uh, by a blogger who is on Twitter uh, as Julia of Toronto, and uh, actually it was uh, tweeted at us and, and or tweeted at me anyway, and I replied, and, and now I'm following uh, Julia, of, Julia of Toronto, who is Julia Belouz, who is a uh, senior health correspondent. Um, but this is this – this is a great co- – apparently this is a column called Dear Julia, um, uh, and, and it's where, where readers uh, submit everyday health questions. And, and so the, and this, this reporter basically answers them, and, and the Dear Julia is, Dear Julia, can hand dryers in bathrooms make people sick? Now, first of all, I think this is fascinating because now we're no longer focused on what do – the results of the study say the question is a very practical question, right? It's not. It's not do do jet air dryers blow viruses around because we just had some studies that showed that. The question is, do hand dryers in bathrooms make people sick? And, and she goes on to say, well, there's no no you know there's no doubt that bathrooms are scary places. You know, there's there's toilets there, there's germs there. Um, she she links to a bunch of great articles. She she links to the article that shows that um, if you if you flush a toilet with poop in it. It will spray a mist of, of bacteria into the air. Um, it shows that uh, soap dispensers and, and door handles have bacteria. That's probably linking to some Chuck Gerber research. Um, talking about ha- uh, hand dryers uh, dispensing these types of germs. Um, uh, talks about washing your hands is important. Um, uh, that she links to the recent study on the, the jet air dryers. Um, uh, uh, and, but then what does, let's see where, uh, so, so then, but then she, she, again, she sort of, you know, nets out, uh, with linking oh, and talking about like all these studies, like, so, so studies by the funded by the, the, the air dryer companies show that paper towels are bad studies by big tissue, as it says in the headline show that these hand, uh, these air dryers are bad. Um, she says she also links to a, a great study. Uh, she, she writes here, an independent randomized control trial, which compares the levels of bacteria bacteria left on washed hands after using four different drying methods, cloth towels, paper towels, hand dryer, and spontaneous evaporation found no difference in germ levels in any group. And so again, I thought she just did a really, a really a nice job and reporters don't always do this, but really did a nice job of linking to a lot of the relevant science and kind of, and kind of tying it all together. So I, again, props to props to her, um, uh, following her on, on, on Twitter now, but then she comes back to the question, wait, do, do hand Hand dryers actually uh, make people sick, and b- bottom line is that um, it's it's bottom line is you should wash your hands, <laughs> right? Right, right, right. Yeah. you should wash your hands. And, and um, let me let me piggyback off off this with something mm-hmm. that um, that we picked up yesterday mm-hmm. um, in in the news, and I haven't written about it yet. Mm-hmm. But there was a uh, customers at a local fast food restaurant in Cleveland, Tennessee, uh, went into the restroom uh, at a at a this Checkers restaurant and found um, a whole stack of uh, buns rolled. Oh, in the in the so oh, Doug Doug blogged about this, didn't he? Oh, he did. yeah, I think he did. Yeah, yep. yeah. so uh, yeah, but but here's another like 
you know, here's another example of um, going back to to our uh, our late friend uh, Bill Keen on norovirus transmission. Basically, you know, having food in restrooms isn't a good idea for all of these reasons, right? Yes. Like, like we know that there can be missed. We know that it can spread. We know that hand washing compliance isn't good. We know that we're depositing poop in these restrooms. Putting food there, not great. Not not something we should do. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, I know. You know what? And I don't need any peer reviewed research on virus or or, or right. bacteria spread to tell you that. Don't don't store food in bathrooms. I think we talked about this uh, many many episodes ago in the norovirus, where the people took the, the 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 sports team was out and they had cookies in a bag in the bathroom, and there was norovirus. They ate the cookies, and eh, anyway, just not a good idea. Not a good idea. I, so I want to read to you from a spokesperson for Checkers in the statement of how these how, how these buns got into the restroom, which is not a good idea. Yeah. Quote, the health and safety of our guests is our top priority, and a bread delivery mistakenly left in the bathroom is completely unacceptable. How Good answer. Yeah, great answer. How did that happen? How was that like, where would you like me to put these? Oh, just down the hall through that door. Aha, yes. Maybe that's, maybe that's how it happens. Yeah. And then they then they go in and, and there's a sack. Anyway, they, they do go on to say that um, – when it was discovered, the uh, employees immediately disposed of the restaurant, uh, or dispo- they were disposed by the restaurant team. The buns were never served, and the employees involved in the delivery have been disciplined. Uh, the health department, you know, did did their thing. So, um, anyway, just like <laughs> wait, I, I want to read to you more from this article. This okay. is a great article. So, so Stephen Stanley, who manages a nearby <laughs> McDonald's, says he was visiting Checkers on Saturday when he took the video. My thought, my first thought was, are they going to serve? them and speechless other than that he took the video to keep others safe and maybe get some business at mcdonald's um uh, i've been to i've been i've been to get a serve safe certificate and you learn about all of that stuff in that class said stanley food safety is definitely a big priority in a restaurant i just love that steve staley uh, yeah he's out there protecting us keeping us safe from uh checkers buns yeah, thanks, thanks, Steve, and uh, yeah, uh, eat at McDonald's down the nearby. I managed this other place. Come yeah. on in. Yeah, no, no, no buns in the bathroom. Yeah, no buns. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so I mean, I asked you the question about the the viruses to, to yeah. see, you know, for for that exact reason. I mean, yeah. I'm 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 down with it. I've been I've you know rallied against uh, air dryers for a long time. In fact, my in, my like introduction to CFP was. Uh, uh, two years ago in, in Orlando when uh, uh, someone called, uh, you know, recognized me in, in the audience to talk about uh, air dryers. I don't think we should have air dryers in restrooms and in, 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 like in, uh, in restaurants at all. I think they're, they're not good. Yeah. And I understand why they're there. Again, when it's sort of, like yeah. this, sort of like the same trade-off we've been talking about. Well, they're bad. Uh, they're, they're good because, uh, hey, uh, paper towels, to, to make a paper towel, you have to kill a tree. You have to um, process that tree into paper that takes resources. Now, granted, it takes a little bit of resources to run the electricity to run a dryer, but you know, so that's a trade-off, right? That's an it's, it's you're trading off uh, benefit to the environment to to uh, detriment to pu- the public health, the, the the overall environment with versus the public health environment of, of a bathroom. But as far as I'm concerned, I'm willing to I'm willing to make that that trade-off because I really do believe paper towels are better. And again, we've got some research that was that was just recently published um, showing that if you know, you actually get some 
additional physical benefit from using the paper towels, right? You actually, the paper towels actually physically remove right. bacteria from, from your hands. Now, now apparently um, the, the air dryers do that too, but where the air dryers put those bacteria or those microorganisms is apparently all over the bathroom. So, so probably net net, um, I think paper towels are better or, or, or cloth towels as long as you're going to wash them. Yeah. Or, and let me, let me uh, challenge you a little bit on that all sure. over the bathroom. Sure. Because I, you know, the vat, it, while it did, you know, the, the paper did say that there is spread, you can see for a while, the vast majority landed 0.25 meters away. So right. that's not like, you know, that's, that's, uh, what, 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 how would we, uh, how would we measure that in, in centimeters? 25 centimeters? No. Uh, about a foot. About a foot. About a foot. About a foot so, away. So, but, okay, that piece of information is really important. And right. why is it important? It's because if I'm doing cleaning and sanitizing of a, a restroom in a place where I know uh, I've got food, I'm going to pay extra special care to that maybe two-foot radius or from, yeah. from that. Like, right? Like that, that's, very, that's really useful. And I can show visually to someone this great work. Like, look, yeah, it's going to matter – if people aren't going to wash their hands and there is virus and blah, 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 you really need to do it around this, you know, one, at least one foot and probably a little bit more outside of that um, because that's where we're going to get the most amount of spray. Absolutely. That's, that's operational, right? Right. Like that's, that's super, super useful. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Good, good stuff. Hey, so, um, so I have a heart out uh, mm. and, and I did want to spend like a couple of minutes talking about, um, Again, like literally thanking you for stuff. I don't know why I'm so like into you today. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I'm just that into you. But you got me involved in uh, – you, you, you suggested that I go to the Conference for Food Protection a few years ago. Actually, on one of these podcasts, I think. And I went a couple of years ago. And this year, um, I went back and got to be on uh, Council 3. While well, you, you sat there because uh, they kept you on the sidelines. I think resting you up for 2018. Um <laughs> And, and uh, so, like, like in all the the sports ball uh, worlds, they gave the uh, like a rookie a shot at it, and I like friggin' loved it. Yeah, and honestly, Ben, um, don't let this go to your head, but you're better at it than I was. You you pay more attention. I I think I think my my, my I, I am be, I best serve the conference by sitting in the audience and and uh, halfway paying attention, which is pretty much how I how I live my my entire life. <laughs> Well, I I appreciate that. I I was only uh, paying attention on things uh, and then texting you about them, being like, "Hey, uh, you want to talk on this? Uh, what do you think about this?" Yeah. Um, so so as a team, I think we uh, it, it worked uh, it worked well. I I really enjoyed the process, which makes me kind of crazy. Um, but uh, I did. Uh, there, there were like some successes uh, in in the whole uh, process. Um, you know, I already mentioned the one consumer advisory issue that that I kind of learned a little bit about the game, and it got no action. But then someone else had an issue right afterwards, and there was a little further discussion. And um, what uh, CFP has decided to do is send a letter um, to uh, FDA and FSIS uh, to look at the issues and CDC to look at the issues of consumer advisory and whether it's good risk communication or not, which is like a massive win, I think. Because that's that's really been the the thing that that um, that's come out of the the work that we did with with Secret Choppers is is that maybe our system that we have right now doesn't doesn't work. And I had like um, so when I presented the the issue, 
um, I had some really good feedback from people saying, you know, we really respect the the work and we think that that's a problem, but but what you're suggesting is a change and the change that I suggested was everyone who is a server needs to become a risk communicator. The, the, you know, the comments were kind of like, yeah, that's not possible. Um, we, you know, we don't really want uh, a 16 year old server who's taking a burger order to be a risk communicator. And, and you and I have talked a little bit about this, like, well, but they already are. So how do we fix that situation and rectify it? And so at least we've moved things to, okay, we're going to look at this further. And that's, that was really, really positive. Um, I also, uh, put in, uh, another issue with, uh, with Leanne Jacobs on behalf of the Noracore group to get more, um, specific guidance on cleaning up vomit events in, uh, you know, regulated facilities, you know, facilities regulated by the, by the food code. And, um, and we, we made it, you know, a recommendation or the, you know, council made a recommendation that made it through, um, the council of delegates or the assembly of delegates, assembly of delegates. Yep. Yeah. Um, the, to have written procedures, uh, uh on uh, handling these, these vomit events and that, uh, we got some like specific wording into, uh, hopefully it'll go into the annex about how, what, what needs to be contained in those written procedures. So it was it, like, that was like super, super positive. And, and is, is there going to be a committee formed from that or not? No, I mean, oh, okay. I, we just gave them the wording. Oh, cool. So, I mean, yeah. So, so I, you know, it wasn't even like, hey, we need to look at a committee. Like, we just suggested some stuff, and they're like, yep, that's good. Cool. Um, and, and I mean, it, it, I think it goes, you know, the, the week before CFP, you and I were in D.C. together at the NoraCore meeting, and it, it really talks, like, there is some legitimacy to that process of bringing together a whole bunch of people that do or have interest and do work in norovirus because that the fact that the recommendations came from Noracore seemed to carry some weight. Mm, yes. Um, like, yeah. Why would we create a committee if all the committee is going to be these people that have just come up with these things? With the, yeah. And if, if, if there already are good guidelines from Noracore, we'll just put the guidelines in the annex. Yeah. yeah which was like pretty phenomenal and, and similar on excluding uh, individuals who have norovirus for 48 hours, another issue yep. that was put through. So, I mean, just, it was really, it was very um, uh, fulfilling and like, you know, we, 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 we have different ways of doing extension and this is part of it. I think like being able to, to potentially change how, um, how, Restaurants and, and places that are regulated by the food code are, are actually regulated uh, in in good using good um, sort of sound science is that was really really exciting and then we had some other like um, you know Noro Nerd uh, Veronica uh, on behalf of uh, some folks in North Carolina put together some suggestions for redefining certain things or providing a definition for curing which is going to end up in a committee and. Uh, microgreens, just clarification. So, I mean, it was just, it was cool all around to be part of that. It was so, so thank you again. Oh, you, you're welcome. And, and just before we completely leave the, the topic of CFP, I just want to, to mention that because, and this was explained to me and it didn't, I mean, this is why people like Veronica were there. Uh, apparently a lot of states have just sort of adopted whatever the current version of the food code is for their states. And so what that means is that if they want to change their state code because they see a deficiency, they now have to go through the CFP process, which to me is 
fascinating, right? Because now what that means is that instead of injecting that sound science at the state level, they have to inject it at the federal level so that it will trickle down to their state and then also share and go to all the other states. And that is a really it's, – it's a lot of work for them. But on the other hand, that is a really exciting thing because that means that now that science gets vetted and discussed and debated and tweaked at this national level. Absolutely. And, and it's, it's pretty huge. Um, you know, I, I can talk to our, our system a little bit. You know, we, we have adopted the 2009 food code in North Carolina, but it really is, um, you know, the food code by reference. It does take some time for us to then re-update to the 2013 code. But it was like an eight-year process to change our rules. So it's a lot quicker to go through the code right. process and, and like more reasonable. It's not, I mean, it's still, it's still political, but it's not the same kind of politics where you're dealing with local legislators. It's like, okay, well, if we can just change, if we say, oh, we're going to point at the code, well, let's go change the code as opposed to let's, we point at the code, but then we're going to do these other things that are a little different. Um, so yeah, it right. was, it, it was good. It was a really great, great process. Um, and, and it was, um, I mean, you get to see the whole thing in action and you see where, what, what, like I had really good conversations with a couple of industry members who are like, how will, if, you know, if this gets into the annex, how would this actually affect our product, like our businesses? And, and they're trying to be like figuring that out, like really like that, that we're impacting stuff. So that was, it was really cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And very, and very, and it's just, again, that interplay between industry and academia and government and not just the federal government, right? The state and the locals and just watching the way that dance happens. It is, it really is fascinating. I don't, I just don't ever get bored with it. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, right. Even if you, you know, win or lose. Right. I mean, and science doesn't always win. Right. Cause sometimes it's risk management, right? It's really, it's yes. I mean, the science we're talking like risk assessment, but ultimately it's, it's, can you communicate it? Right. And then also risk management, because it may be that the science says something that's just not workable. It's not a workable solution because of because of political things or, or you know people's vested interests and and you just have to be okay with that right that right, that right. some at some point some days the science is not going to win but guess what you know the science marches on and we have another paper and we have more research and we you know we, we you network behind the scenes and you you know eventually things things will eventually will change maybe right well <laughs> they I mean they will. Because it always changes. There's always it's always going to change, right? It's always changing. It's always changing, and there's there's always a hundred, you know, issues. There's people are trying to change it. Well, uh, I think you got a hard out. I got a hard out. Sorry, I was like choking. I had to cough there and turn my mic off. Oh, no um, worries. I got a hard out. Yeah, sorry. And you know, sorry. and I was thinking like, oh, he, why he's why is he in such a hurry? And I'm like, oh. We were originally scheduled to record at one, and your heart out is at two. I was thinking, like, why is he so worried? We've got two hours. Like, no, we have an hour. We have, an so hour. We have to yeah. start early. So it's a, yeah, it's a it's a shorty here. We did oh, yeah. a shorty today. Well, um, you know, it's one hundred. So yeah, it's a hundred. Um, we're going to edit it down to a hundred minutes. We'll edit <laughs> exactly. It's actually really close to a hundred. <laughs> Uh, we're at 103 right now. Um, I, I'm pretty sure your time oh, yeah, is wrong, wrong, but that's okay. We're, we're at 73. Um, I, so I want to um, – uh, we, we always say, you know, if you come see us somewhere, we'll buy you beer. Yep. Um, now, sometimes we do. <laughs> sometimes we do. Uh, now in uh, – I'd like to ex- extend. If you mention our 100th anniversary, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find a place to get you some cake. Oh. Yeah. We'll, get, we'll share some cake. 
some so 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 you and me next time I see you we'll uh-huh. eat some cake. But All then right. if, if listeners come and say, hey, loved the hundredth um or or didn't hated the hundredth episode, um be like, hey, let's go get some cake. All right. So cake cake's cake for us. everybody. Cake for everybody. You can have your cake and eat and it. And eat it. <laughs> <laughs> Let them eat cake, Don. Let them eat cake. Um well thanks as always. Uh Food Safety Talk was is fun. We'll do this again uh episode number one oh one where we may do some clips. Maybe we'll just make this oh, man, I forgot all about all the guests waiting in the green room. We don't have uh, time for them now. Well, Matt Damon, uh, we're not going to have time to bring Matt Damon on, so he'll be on the next uh, next episode, uh, and and all the other guests um, that are out there. Um, I think Matt Damon's sitting on the Noro couch. I don't think he knows it's a Noro couch. Man, he's going to be pissed. He's going to be. He's going to be more than pissed, man. <laughs> he's going to be pooping, and uh, then we have uh, good guidelines on how to clean up his vomit. So. Um, thanks uh, again. Uh, go check us out on iTunes. Um, now that we're all caught up, you'll hear this like um, almost immediately. Uh, and then there'll be a lull for a couple of weeks until we record again. So sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, that's the way it goes, folks. So this has been uh, episode 100. Woo! Woo! Ding, 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 ding. All right. Talk to you later, Don. Bye bye. Bye bye. Yeah, sorry about the... Oh, no, no, not your fault. Um, okay, so that's there. And is this one me? No, I, I get the evens. Oh, you get you the, got the odds. Good. Okay, go, go as quick as you can. Do I this. will, quick as I can. Quick, I'm, quick, I'm as, quick as a bunny. Quick as a bunny. <laughs> that's, that's what they say. Um, is that okay. what they say? Well, that's what some people say. That's what my um, mom says. <laughs> yeah, my mom said that too. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? So just to prime you for my webinar? No kind of a fun one so you know i do these i I work with the school system Mm -hmm. and one of the things that has popped up uh and we have a really good outbreak to talk about it on is when people use school cafeterias after hours oh wow and how do you manage that yeah and and so anyway but but yeah i've been to a lot of boy scout meetings in cafeterias after hours uh funny you should say that i have a picture of two boy scouts making making food in a school cafeteria Whoa. Like just because I was like other school groups who might use it, teachers and staff. That's it. Uh, yeah, so I'm mean, gonna talk a, a, a little bit about that, and and here's like here's the punchline. Hmm. Um, 
you need to have some policies and you need to have expectations on who's cleaning what and what they're doing and and who's going to do it. That's it. Seems like, that's, seems like a good system. Yeah, that's the system. So I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, about those things. So so anyway, I got to go do this in, in eight minutes. So I better go. All right. All right. Thanks, Don. Okay. Bye, Ben. Bye bye.